Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning, church. And I would like to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. Um, I know that Mother's Day isn't easy for all of us, so just know for those of you that it's difficult, we are thinking of you and we are praying for you. Um, I'd like to share an example um, of Jesus and how Jesus loved and honored his mother. He thought of her while he was on the cross. Um, If you'd like, um, you can turn to John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, and I would like to read those verses to you. Verse 25 begins, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So I... That's something that touched my heart to think of um, Jesus thinking of his mother while he was on the cross dying for my sin and shame and for your sin and shame. He, he loved his mother and honored her in that way. Um, I would also like to share with you a passage out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And I will be reading from the Amplified Bible. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. Usually when I read this passage, I can relate to and sympathize with Martha. As a mother and a woman, I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed and frustrated. 
to feel like I'm the only one doing anything. And yes, I felt the resentment rise in me toward others, just like Martha. So I'm so thankful I have a Heavenly Father who understands and forgives me. But I love the Lord's response. He lovingly corrects Martha and opens her eyes to the truth. And that is nothing is more important than being at Jesus' feet and learning from him. This is not to say that Jesus didn't honor Martha's servant heart, because he did. After all, Jesus was the greatest example of a servant humanity will ever have. My Bible, uh, excuse me, my study Bible summed up the passage perfectly. It stated, Mary was seeking the eternal, Martha was not. As I have been preparing to share with you, I realize I want to share, excuse me, I want to follow Mary's wise example. I want to prioritize sitting at Jesus' feet more to grow in wisdom, to seek his guidance and correction, and to simply soak up his love for me. Like Mary, I want to be able to block out all distractions and focus on him alone and not to feel guilty about it, not to feel guilty about taking that alone time. Why? Because he alone is worthy and should have no less than first place in my life. And I ask that you will pray with me, or excuse me, pray for me. Um, I need to do better. I can't imagine what it must have been like to sit at Jesus' feet during his ministry on earth. We don't have this opportunity now, but listen as Jesus is speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion. I'd like to share with you a few verses out of John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. The work of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We know the counselor Jesus speaks of is the Holy Spirit. Do we recognize the magnitude of this helper given to us that Jesus would actually tell his disciples that it's for their good that he go away? Otherwise, the Holy Spirit will not come. In closing, I pray that all of us will learn from Mary's example 
and prioritize sitting at Jesus' feet. When we do this, we cast our cares on him and trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us to accomplish his will in each of us. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Is anyone else hot? Because I'm really hot right now. Megan Weekly, Gina Persley, Hannah Shreve. Sherry Stanley and my sister Sydney. I mention these names today because all of them, in one way or another, have helped to create the relationship I have today with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as in fact you are doing. I wasn't raised going to church with my family. My mom was a believer in God, but it wasn't something we just did. I did, however, go occasionally with my friends. There was one time in particular that truly changed my life. I was going pretty regularly with Megan Weekly, and one Sunday evening during Bible study, the teacher was speaking on being saved and asking for forgiveness. Growing up, I saw and heard things that I knew were wrong. So hearing that God will forgive you for those things was mind-blowing. It was at that moment I knew that this is how I wanted to live my life and raise my family up one day. I asked the teacher so many questions, and she patiently answered them all. She took my hands and prayed with me. I can remember that night, Megan and I sat up and made a giant list of all the people that we needed to pray for. I felt like I was on top of the world and wanted to shout to everyone just how amazing God was. Of course, I got older and life at home wasn't always easy. My parents and brother were both addicts. Praise the Lord. My mom and brother are both recovering addicts at this time. I say this because being surrounded by this stuff day in and day out wasn't easy, but I knew it wasn't the life that I wanted because I knew God and knew he had bigger and better plans for me. I chose to stay close even after graduating high school so that I could take my sister under my wings and show her that there were better ways of living life than what we were having to deal with at the time. With the help of Miss Sherry and Hannah, my sister found her way to God in high school and was baptized on April 5th, 2015. This was also the first time 
that I had step, ever stepped foot into this church. She was so happy and surrounded by so many amazing friends who were supporting and encouraging of living this Christian life. It really made me stop and remember how I had felt when I was saved. Aaliyah at this time was two years old, and I knew I needed to change my focus back to God and allow my daughter to know him, just like Aunt Sid and I did. For the next few months, Hannah constantly was asking when we were coming back to church, but I was too nervous of going alone. Hannah came to me that summer and asked if she could take Aaliyah to VBS. My first thought was, sure, I'd love a few hours alone. Please take her. <laughs> Little did I know, God had bigger and better plans. The last night, Hannah asked if I could come and watch Aaliyah perform because she was really enjoying herself and was doing so well. And of course, you know, I wasn't going to be at church that Sunday, so... I probably should have went. Well, I did. And as soon as I walked into that church, that little girl's eyes lit up and she was so excited to show me all that she had learned and all of her new friends. Hannah, of course, sat down beside me and looked over and smiled. She knew she got me then. <laughs> so that Sunday, I built up the courage and I walked hand in hand with Aaliyah back into this church and I never looked back. Hallelujah. For the next two years, Aaliyah and I kept asking Darren to come to church with us. But you know the famous excuse, I'm not getting up early on my only day off. <laughs> We didn't let that stop us, though. We would always share the new songs that we had learned and the crafts and the pictures that she had colored with him. We were just hoping that one day we would change his mind, just as the amazing people in our lives did for us. I never let going alone ever stop me from showing Aaliyah that God was the top priority, and I wanted her to have that in the forefront as well. And once you know it, one morning, I was getting the girls and I ready for church in the park, and he came out of the bedroom and told us that he was going to come with us. I was never so happy that I was in that moment because all that I had prayed for had finally came true. I share this with you today because you may be working on family members or friends to get them to come to church, but I want you to know that you are not wasting your time. They are listening, and I promise, don't give up. They will eventually come. Megan and Gina, the two who brought me to the point of allowing to be saved, they are here today. Miss Sherry, who always made sure that the children who stayed Saturday night were going to church on Sunday, which allowed my sister to be saved and baptized. She is here today. Sydney, my sister, 
the one who brought me into this church so that I could watch her be baptized. She is here today. Hannah, who never gave up on trying to get me to come back to this church, no matter how many excuses I tried to give her, she is here today. Darren, who Lee and I never stopped begging to come with us, he is here with us today. My mom, who I finally got to come with us on, a sun, on her Sundays off, and loved it here so much. I know she's watching online because she no longer lives close. So she is with me today. Matt and Kathy. The best in-laws that anyone could ask for. We, Darren and I and the girls worked very hard to join us in this walk with Christ. They are here today. This is proof that when you create the amazing relationship with God, that you will want to share it with others, just as I am getting to today with all of my friends here. Thank you. <laughs> I am so excited to share a verse with you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I have been afraid to take risks for as long as I can remember. The world often seems a scary place, full of so many unknowns. So I tried my best to keep myself safe. You know, don't run too fast, you might fall. Um, isn't that past my bedtime? Uh, even in elementary school, I was so overly cautious that my nickname was Grandma. <laughs> um, in case I haven't met you yet, my name is actually Susie, and I am looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> um, in junior high, I told my actual grandma that I was never having children. Way too scary, too unpredictable, too much of a risk. She gave me her knowing grandma look. You know the one. <laughs> telling me I have a lot left to learn. <laughs> my sophomore year of college, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. It did not feel like a risk. I was lost and searching, and in Jesus, I was finally found. Once I started walking and talking with Jesus, he showed me that so much of my disappointments stemmed from expecting relationships with others to meet my needs, risks that indeed led to a lot of heartache. As a result of those broken relationships, 
I became sure that God was insulating me from further hurt by calling me to remain single, never marry like the Apostle Paul. I already knew that I wasn't going to have children, so it made perfect sense to me. Now I can see that God was asking me to lay down the expectations that those earthly relationships could meet all my needs. And once I did, amazingly, shockingly even, to me at least, God was instead calling me to the once feared, but now beautiful and abundant life of a wife. Because not long after I made that commitment to the Lord, I met and fell in love with my husband, Phil. <laughs> so, um, if you ask someone else to tell the story of how we got together, there may be a casual reference to me being a man-hater, <laughs> which I completely deny, <laughs> um, even though I was made brand new by the blood of the lamb, I still had a lot of walls already built up to protect me. I desperately needed to receive the love of my Savior before I could offer love to a husband or to children. If I really love God, I will not be afraid of him or anything that comes from him. I cannot love him completely and also be afraid to get married, afraid to have children, afraid to step out in faith or service. Do I really believe, Romans 8, 28, that God works all things, including the overwhelming, scary things, together for the good of those who love him? Do I really believe that God is working all the unknown, unpredictable things in my life together for good? When I build up walls to protect myself from what I fear, I cannot experience fully the love, grace, and peace that Christ offers to me daily. <laughs> so again, I share 1 John 4.18 with you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I cling to the whispered words in my heart, and I know them to be true. God is good, Susie. No matter how lonely I feel or how disappointing life can be, this is the truth. God is good. I pray that God will move my heart and mind away from all of my fears. When I say, why is this happening? Why is it not going the way I think it should go? Why is it not my way? Instead, I ask, show me how to be faithful. So tomorrow, undoubtedly, I will walk into an unexpected situation and fear will grip me. And I choose to say, oh Susie, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
And when critical words and hurtful comments replay in my head on loop, and I really just want to run away and hide, instead, I choose to declare, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. I turn from my worries and fear and choose to agree with God when he promises that he has everything under control. When I choose to obey God and not my fears, when I let go of my stubborn need to control, I can see so clearly that God is already holding me close and secure. I may never be a risk taker by worldly standards. Uh, I don't envision any of you finding me on a roller coaster. Uh, the idea of tasting sushi is completely revolting. <laughs> Um, I still struggle with settling for earthly favor, even though God's perfect love is the only love that fills me up to overflow on my husband, on my children, on my friends, and on those who are still lonely and wrestling in the shadows. I praise God for the opportunity to love you all. So I say, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Dear Lord, I look to you to supply my joy, especially when things don't go the way I envision. When I choose to praise you, put my trust in you, no matter the circumstances, the joy in my life breaks the despicable chains of fear. God, when you, you are the author of joy and peace, and when I give my fears, my need to control, and all of my weaknesses to you, the result is life. You give abundant life because you are good. Thank you. Well, good morning. So I don't know how I can follow these ladies, so just bear with me. But uh, today, as we celebrate our moms, let's take a moment to consider a few attributes that we can apply to any mother or any mother figure in our life. When you think of your mom, what do you think of? Love. Yeah. Unconditional love, safety, our protector, our healer of boo-boos, our advisor. Well, as you ponder on the qualities of your own mother... Let's pause for another moment. These are also characteristics of our Father God, all of which we only receive because of his grace. So today, grace is something I need to talk about. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary describes grace as approval or favor, mercy or pardon, a special favor or privilege, the disposition to act or an instance of kindness or courtesy. The biblical definition of grace 
is the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor and the salvation of sinners. In scripture, the term grace most often refers to the divine inclination and power to bless, bestow gifts, or otherwise act favorable toward man. One idea of grace is the divine means of help or strength. Grace is an enabling power. It is God's favor toward the unworthy, which is me, and his blessings to his people, who are us. There are many types of grace, but today I just want to briefly touch on three of them. And the first one is common or benevolent grace. It's like a coming before, anticipating, or preceding. Common grace is the compassion which is poured out on all men regardless of their spiritual condition. The thought that God loves everyone even while we are still sinners. Romans 5, 8, if you'd like to turn there, it tells us that but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Those of us who are blessed to be mothers, think of that first whisper of movement inside of you. Not the rib punches, just the whisper. Oh, how in love we were already. Your baby's not even here, and we love them so much already. And this is the same way that God loves us. We have not accepted Christ into our life as our Savior. We haven't been born again into his kingdom. However, he lovingly awaits our decision to do so. Before we existed, God's grace covered us. Jeremiah 1.5 says that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Do you believe grace, God's grace has covered you since the beginning of time? I do. I do now. This type of grace is easy to accept. We're not around. We haven't done anything yet. We haven't done anything wrong. So yes, we can accept that grace. That's easy. The second type of grace I'd like to talk to you about is justifying grace. It's our acceptance with God and of God. Justifying grace is the assurance of forgiveness that comes from repentance, from turning from our old life and turning towards God's gracious gift of new life in him. It's being reconciled and realigned with God and the acceptance of God's atoning act in his son, Jesus Christ. From accepting Christ into our hearts as our savior, we have this justifying grace. It's the assurance of forgiveness and our children, have that assurance. And just to give you a little bit of example, our children are very loved by us, but they do make mistakes. And I can remember one such occasion that school had been canceled. One of our kids, Darren, to be exact, <laughs> had asked to drive his truck to a friend's house. And knowing that he was a pretty decent driver and the roads had been cleared most of them, we gave him permission to go ahead and go to his friend's house with a warning. Don't go up over Oil Ridge. Go all the way down, go up over 180, and go to your friend's house. Well, 30 minutes later, I get a phone call. Mom, the truck's in the ditch over the hill. I'm like, where? Where? He said, Oil Ridge. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm immediately, oh, Darren, I'm, I'm, yeah, 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 I'm just giving him. And he's like, yeah, Mom, thanks for asking. I'm, I'm okay. And I said, I know you're okay. I'm talking to you. So, so. 
<laughs> but uh, you see, even though Darren knew there would be consequences for his actions, he unknowingly trusted in his mama's grace. He knew he would be forgiven, but unlike our God, who forgets our transgressions, he's never going to live this down. <laughs> so. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is justified by the works of the law, but by, not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the law shall no flesh be justified. This is a gift to the unworthy. And remember, that is me and you. I used to live under lies of the law. And remember that God's grace is a free gift. Previously, um, I went to, attended another church. And when I felt that I had done something wrong, I would go forward. I would publicly confess those sins. And then on the way home, I would pray for God to take me soon so that I wouldn't have the chance to sin again. And that's because I could not accept the third type of grace, God's grace for myself. And that's his sanctifying grace. This is God's grace in action. Sanctifying grace is the demonstration of God's love by which Christians are kept secure despite sin. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Some of you know me pretty personally. Some of you don't know me at all. My name is Kathy, and my husband Matt is here with me today. For years, I have lived under a lie that my second marriage was not blessed by God. At a previous church I attended, after I divorced and remarried, I was told that I could no longer teach Bible school. I could no longer partake in communion. I, I was basically told that I could no longer serve God here on this earth. I have carried that with me for years. And when I found this church and the love that came from here, I spoke with several individuals. I was told, how many times are you going to nail Jesus to the cross? Have you asked him forgiveness? Is that the only sin that is unforgivable? It took going to a retreat and spending six hours of solid time in quietness with Jesus for me to lay that at the cross, for me to understand that God still loves me that yes, I have sinned in the past, but he forgave me. And it was his grace that covers me. Remember, grace is God's unearned favor toward mankind. In Christian life, the word sanctify refers to making one holy. Sanctifying grace is a state in which God allows us to share in his life and in his love. There is no sin in us. 
Sanctifying grace is God's freely given presence and power to restore the fullness of God's image in which we are created. It grants on our souls a new life that is sharing in the life of God himself. We are free of sin. God is the opposite of sin. No sin can come close to God. Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through him, through faith in him, we may enter God's presence with boldness and confidence. To be in his presence means to be free of sin. The sins we have asked forgiveness for are forgiven, but they're not just forgiven, they are forgotten. And as we bask in this unwavering, sanctifying grace, don't presume upon it. Don't take it lightly. To do so is even more dangerous than ignorant unbelief because we can fall from God's grace. We have all sorts of enemies out there between the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. But grace is available through Christ. Stand firm in the grace of God this week because Satan is going to come after you. Keep your eyes on the gospel, draw on God's power and hope in eternity. And remember, God's grace is bigger than your guilt. I can face tomorrow knowing that his grace covers me, and it covers you. And there is only one thing we need to do to receive it, because it is freely given to believers in Jesus Christ. So if you believe in Jesus, God's grace covers you. Okay, good morning. Um, thank you. This kind of like plays right into mine after having to go last. Um, I'm a worrier. I like, I don't like to worry, but I'm really good at it. Um, like Olympic level warrior here. <laughs> and when I became a mother, I found so many new things to worry about. Um, are my kids eating the right kind of foods? Are they on track developmentally? Are they polite? Am I doing a good job? Am I messing them up? Am I too strict? Am I not strict enough? Are they happy? Or am I teaching them how to be good people? Are they healthy? Am I neglecting my husband and I's relationship for my kids? And so many more questions constantly running through, constantly running through my mind and still do every single day. Um, I felt and I still feel like I'm often at war with my own mind and society's influence on my daughters as I have watched them grow into young ladies. Um, this is why I chose Psalm 46 as the scripture I wanted to share with you this morning. God is our refu refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. 
He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. While there are only 11 verses in this psalm, it is packed full of advice on how to deal with the internal and external battles we fight on a daily basis. Verse 1 reminds us, God is our refuge, our strength, and our very present help. I tend to forget, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, that he is there and wants to be my strength and safe place. He wants to help me now. Not in a few minutes, not when he gets done with something else, or when he gets the time. He is always there at the time I need him, and even when I don't think I need him. <laughs> and I don't have to do this on my own. None of us do. As the psalm continues, the author reminds us that we have nothing to fear, even as the world crumbles around us, because God is in control of all things. He is sovereign over all things. Even though verse 5 is describing the city of God, it can also serve as a reminder of God's presence with us as women. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. If we live with God, no matter what is going on in the world around us, he is with us and is, and is immovable. War, natural disasters, tragedy, whatever it may be, he is our fortress and is always with us always. Verses 8 and 9 convey the psalmist's awe of God's power and greatness and asks us to come and behold the authority of God, who can bring desolation to the earth and make war cease. He destroys the tools of war with his works. In verse 10, God proclaims his control over all that is in the earth in a battle cry that demands our attention. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. We wake up every day and go into battle for the well-being of our families. We fight against society corrupting our children and with, with the world's definition of what is good and right. We fight to main our, maintain our families and relationships in the way scripture commands us. And we fight against our own fears, guilt, and insecurities. We're at war and fighting against an enemy who knows all our weaknesses and will do everything in his power to use them against us. I rely on these last verses every day to remind me that I do not have to fight this battle alone and to not let my fear hold me back. God is always with us through every battle, through every skirmish, and through every retreat. So remember, whether you need to shout it from the mountaintop or in your own mind, be still and know that he is God. Well, have we been blessed this morning? We have been blessed. Let's give it up for our five radiant women. And I'm not even going to say anything in closing because I know that there was some.
something that one of these five said today that was from the Holy Spirit to your heart. So you hold on to that today and this week. Meditate on it. Pray on it. And I'm going to close us in prayer as the worship team gets up and um, is going to lead us in a closing song. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you. Thank you for what you spoke through Allison and Tiffany and Bree and Kathy and Susie. God, it is so evident that you met with them these last few weeks. And Lord, I pray that whatever stood out to each person here this week, that they would take that nugget of truth with them. They would ponder that in their heart. They would meditate on it. God, that you would use that truth to draw them closer to you and into your presence. And Jesus, will you help each of us to remember in the chaos and busyness of this world, always to just be still, to sit at your feet, because that is one thing that cannot be taken away from us. That has eternal value. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. And as we sing and declare the goodness of your grace, God, would you just help us to shout it, to believe it, and to live it out this week, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ. 